Oh, let's love him together, everybody. I praise you, holy Jesus. I thank you for this day and opportunity, Lord, to worship you, oh, great God, eternal God. We love you, Jesus. We need your great grace and your mighty glory. Oh, dear God, I give you praise in the name of Jesus. Everybody said amen. If you have a Bible this morning, I'm going to turn to the book of Revelation. Very glad for each and every one of you that's here. We want to worship the Lord this morning. We certainly do. Revelation chapter 1, last book of the entire Bible, by the way, and uh, 66th book. You have 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New added together is 66 books from Genesis, the first book to Revelation, the last book. So let us turn to the last book of the Bible today, the book of Revelation, chapter 1. And I'd like to look at verse 10. And John said this, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. And heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet. Everybody said, praise the, Lord. praise the Lord. I'd like to work for a little while this morning on a day in the Spirit. You may be seated. The Lord bless you. The Bible teaches very plainly that we're born and full of trouble in this life. The, uh, there are many things that you could want, but until your man and woman, mother and father come together and a baby is produced into the physical world, uh, there's not anything going to happen, is there? You, could, you may want the baby to be an astronaut. You may want the baby to, you know, be some other type of occupation. Might want to accomplish all kinds of goals. But nothing going to happen in that life until that baby arrives. Until that baby is born into this physical world. And Jesus said, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. So... Through a fleshly act, a physical act, a natural act, a natural physical child is birthed into this world. And that having taken place, then that child begins to grow. And in the growth process, as the baby learns to crawl and to walk, to run, and to talk, and to reason and think, and so on and so forth as days and weeks and months and years go by, then this child is going to do certain things, shall we say, involve themselves in certain things, accomplish certain things. And that having, that's all part of life as we see it and as we know it. 
Jesus also said, though, that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. And he said to us, to all of us, to any who will listen, I gave out some tracts yesterday and invitations, and um, I tried to give one to a, a young lady that was sitting in front of the, uh, a storefront, and um, I was passing by, and I tried to hand her a track, and she would not take it. She refused to take it. She's the only one that day that refused, but, you know, and you never know, right? And somebody did that, and another person just thanked me so much profusely over and over for giving them an invitation and telling them about Acts 2.38. So, you know, different people are going to have different responses, aren't they? And um, But none of it is to deter us. We've got to keep on keeping on no matter what. So anyway, Jesus said, you must be born again of water and of the Spirit. John 3 and 3 and 5 in your Bible. All the things that could be mapped out and the possibilities are without limit. Not going to happen though. You know, I want to do for God and I want to... I want to win souls and I want to get out there and do this and do that and do the other. And uh, But you know what? None of that's going to happen until there's a spiritual experience that takes place that puts us into the spiritual world. Okay? So that which is flesh is flesh. That which is spirit is spirit. And Jesus said, Except you get born again, he said, you, you cannot see or enter that kingdom of God, that spiritual realm. So we pretty much understand that, you know, there's not going to be any first steps in the physical. There's not going to be any first moments of eyesight in the spiritual, in the, in the natural, I mean. There's not going to be any running in the natural. There's not going to be any jobs held or goals achieved until there's a birth, a physical birth. That which is physical is physical. That which is spiritual is, and, and that versus that which is spiritual is spiritual. If we're going to have spiritual accomplishments, then we've got to have that spiritual rebirth process. And that's important because lots of people declare lots of things about God. But it's, it's, it's just a, a wish, a desire of some kind. It's never going to become a reality until a person gets born again. Just as much as all the thought processes in the physical realm are not going to be accomplished until there's a physical birth and a child is produced. Now, we want to focus on this spiritual realm. We want to focus then on this spiritual experience that gets us in to this spiritual realm. We've, we've got to see the, the tremendous need because if we're going to, people talk about they want to be with Jesus and uh, for all of eternity. Well, if you want to be with Jesus for all of eternity, then it's got to start, according to the Bible, it's got to start, it must start, with this born-again experience. It must start with the flesh being deadened. We've got to die to this flesh. I'm going to turn your attention this morning to Romans chapter 6. 
Now keep in mind with me, if you will, please. Once again, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, four accounts of the one gospel. And of the things that they give to us, they give to us also the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Not only the announcement of his birth, that birth actually taking place, the life that was lived, and then his subsequent death on the cross, his burial in Joseph's of Arimathea's sepulcher, and then the third day he rose again from the dead, victorious over death, hell, and the grave. And then you come to the book of Acts. And the last of the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John points you and work in harmony with the first and second chapter of the book of Acts. Same time sequence. Statements are being made by the risen Christ. Third day has come. He's arisen from the dead. And he's giving out last-minute instructions. And as he gives out these last-minute instructions, most importantly, he told them to receive ye the Holy Ghost. Now, he taught about the Holy Ghost in the days of his flesh, taught his disciples, told them that he was going to leave, but that they shouldn't be alarmed about it because he, he was not going to leave them comfortless, that he was going to send back his spirit, the gift of his spirit. And then he pointed them towards that, and that was extremely important because that's where he told them except you're born again of the spirit you cannot see or enter into my kingdom and so receive ye the holy spirit receive ye the holy ghost this great gift of god that's coming to comfort you because he said where i'm going you can't come at least not now and some people thought that was hard sayings or difficult sayings well, to the flesh it is, and that's a lot of the point, because that which is of the flesh is flesh, and the flesh thinks on a fleshly, physical, natural, worldly level, and it, being natural, it cannot understand or receive the things of God, and so it's important, once again, the necessity of it to be born again. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit or spiritual. It's of God. God is a spirit. John 4 and 24 tells you that. So if we're going to accomplish anything for God, we're going to have to be born again. We have a world full of religion and people going about with their religion and their religious ways. Paul used that terminology even about the Jews. He called it the Jews' religion. There are people that have their religion, and they some people's religion is, is a bottle of booze. Some people's religion is their dope. Some people's religion is idols that they bow down to. I read in the paper that uh, there was a terrible earthquake. I believe it was 7.9 on the Richter scale, which is a very bad earthquake. And uh, it, it leveled all kinds of buildings. It was in Nepal. In the Himalayas, it, it leveled all kinds of buildings that had been there for a long, long, long time. And uh, unfortunately, people were 
buried under the rubble, and they died, and it was very, very sad, of course. But there were other people that were trying to dig these people out, and in doing that uh, and finding uh, the death that they found, they were praying to the buildings because some of the buildings were temples, and they were praying to the buildings. Now, flesh will do that. Because flesh has no spiritual insight whatsoever. No wonder Jesus said, you must be born again. So that you can be introduced, born into. If you're going to learn about this world in which we live, you've got to get here first, right? That's your physical. That's your natural. If you're going to learn about the, the spiritual realm, the realm of God, then you've got to get born again of the Spirit. So that you can begin to be taught and understand the spiritual things of God. People that are bowing down to sticks and stones and idols, it's because they're in the flesh. They're not in the spirit. They don't know him. Okay? They don't know him. And that's where the church comes in, right? That's why Jesus said, receive you the Holy Ghost. He sends them to a city where he determined that this is where it's going to start. Had to be a starting place. And so that starting city was Jerusalem. And so he told them repentance and remission of sins was to be preached in his name. That's the name of Jesus Christ. Among all nations, there wasn't anybody to be left out. It was to all nations. And it was to begin in the city of of Jerusalem, okay? And so, and that's where he told them. He said, you, you get to that city and you wait there for the promise of the Spirit. Going to pour out my Spirit, saith the Lord, upon all flesh. I'm going to do this. Had to be a starting place. city of Jerusalem was to be that starting place. It was going to be 50 days after, okay? That's when it said it won the day of Pentecost. Pentecost meaning 50th. 50th day had arrived. And we're going to celebrate now the fulfillment, the spiritual fulfillment, not the physical. Now, we have a physical harvest here in the Glades, and it's just ending. All the cane has been brought in, and and uh, they'll gear up and plant, get ready for next harvest season, which I guess will be somewhere around October. And uh, that's a there was a natural harvest that they would get the first fruits of that harvest, the beginnings of that harvest. And there was a feast built around that in the Old Testament. And it was a shadow and a type or a preview of that which we so richly enjoyed. And that is here in the book of Acts where the church began, the body of Christ, not the church house. That's a physical building. But the body of Christ, the body of believers. Jesus telling them, go and wait for that promise of the Spirit. And so they did. About 120 of them walked away from family, from friends, from co-workers. And from all of their ideas, all of their religious ideas, all of their natural thinking in their flesh, 
They walked away from that. I think we should do this. I think we should do that. They walked away from all of that. And they followed the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. They believed him and what he told them. And so they gathered together about 120. They left at least 380 behind and many, many more, but of the group anyway. And so they gathered together in that upper room in Jerusalem, the number being about 120. Among them, the 12 apostles, and Mary, the mother of the flesh, and the other devout women. And they begin to do what he said. They begin to worship. They begin to praise. They begin to, to intercede and pray and, and, and make supplication. And then on the 50th day, in the overall, seven days for them, from 43 to, seven, to 50, seven days in that upper room. Then the Bible teaches there came a sound from heaven of a rushing mighty wind that filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire and sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Consequently, they were all born again. That's what they came there for. That's what Jesus sent them there for. That's what he gave his life on the cross for. That people might be born again. That they could get out of the physical thinking and get into the spiritual realm of thinking. And so, that having taken place, you then come. After the church is up and running and going and reaching out, getting even outside of Jerusalem, after they filled that city with the doctrine of Jesus Christ, the apostles' doctrine of repentance, water baptism in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins and receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost, they filled Jerusalem, the city, with that doctrine. And then they begin to go out further and further and further until Paul said that everybody, in the known world, under the sound of his voice, had heard this truth. With such zeal and such fervor, they had gone forth. In spite of persecutions, resistings, many adversaries, they martyred them. They went forth and continued to go forth. And the church continues to this split second and will until Jesus takes the church out of here by way of the first resurrection, commonly referred to as the rapture. But until then, we've got a job to do. We've got a harvest to reap. And so, as the church went forth, though, the apostles, some of them were used to, by the Spirit, to put to pen the Word of God, giving instructions Letters, messages to the new congregations that were started in new areas. Hence, the first book after Acts is Romans. You come to that book of Romans. There was a congregation at Rome. And in this book of Romans, the sixth chapter, now he's teaching to new people, new converts, People that have 
just gotten baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, and they're getting rooted and grounded and settled in the doctrine of Jesus Christ, known as the Apostles' Doctrine. And they're, they're being taught. A holy man of old is being moved upon by the Spirit of the Lord. And he begins to send them a written message that has become known as the book of Romans. Chapter 6. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? That's right. Dead to sin. When you repent of your sins, you're dying to sin, meaning I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm not going to think that way anymore. I'm not going to go that place anymore. I'm not going to participate in those things anymore. I'm not going to speak those words anymore. not going to listen to those words anymore. We die to sin. We die to it. Everybody said praise the Lord. He said, know ye not? That so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Spirit or the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. So, that's right there in those verses. Death, burial, resurrection. The gospel of Jesus Christ. He's reiterating. He's going back over it again. Because they've already believed it. They've already experienced it. They're already born again into, by one spirit, are they placed into one body, which is the church the body of believers. But he's going back over it. Maybe taking it just a little bit deeper. Just like when you start out in math, it's two and two is four. Four and four is eight. But you know, you gradually work up through your levels of math and you'll eventually get to algebra and geometry Things like that. And so it is that when you come to Romans through Revelation, you are coming up in the levels of spiritual teaching to help you to do what the Bible said, to grow in grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And everybody said amen. amen. You're not supposed to sit around and We've, we've taught for many, many years. We've had an academy for 35 years, at least. might be 36. But uh, I'll do the math on that later. But anyway, in the certain kinds of systems, other than what we have here, you can have 35 kids in a class, and they can be taught, shall we say, division. How to divide. Two into four is two. You know, 
Four and eight is two. So on and so forth. And some, some kids don't learn that right away. And you've got a class of 35, though. And now it's time to move on. We'll take a test. We take a test. Half the class fails. The other half passes. But everybody graduates. That's a flaw. That's a problem. Because now you've got kids that are going to the next level when they didn't learn the previous level. Okay? We don't want to sit around service after service, week in and week out, and not be growing in grace and knowledge. The enemy would like to tie us up. And the way he does that is by getting us to operate in that flesh, that flesh, okay? We don't want to be in the flesh. We don't want to be caught up in that realm. We don't want to be involved with that kind of thinking that's going backwards. He said, how? How shall we live? He said in another place, are you so foolish? Having begun this experience, this new birth, in the spirit, are you now going to be completed by the flesh? doesn't work. Completely opposite. It's confusion. It's confusion. And that's the devil's play, is confusion. Listen now, as he goes on, he said, knowing this, that our old man is crucified, verse 6 of chapter 6 of Romans, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Now their religions will tell you, oh, you can't live without sin. You can't be perfect. Let me tell you something. God delivers us from sin. When he gives us the born-again experience, we have no desire for sin, for the, for the getting involved with that lifestyle anymore. And if we'll operate in the spiritual realm, if we'll have a day, if you please, in the spirit, isn't that what John said? For I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, a day with the Lord. But you've got to enlarge that. You want to add day to day, but not only that, you want to realize that we're living in a time period. Okay? As it is written, today is the day of salvation. We're living in a dispensation or a period of time in which God is dealing with people after grace. He's given us a like today, what a beautiful weather day, right? Beautiful day out there. Well, God has given us a beautiful day of grace, favor with him. He's given us this opportunity to be born again. And having taken that opportunity, having been obedient by repentance and being baptized in water in the name of Jesus Christ and then being filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, placed into the body of Christ, born again into the body of Christ. Now we're to grow in grace and knowledge. Now we are to walk in the Spirit. 
We're not to walk after the flesh anymore. We're not to mind the things of the flesh anymore. We're to mind the spiritual story. We're to, we're to be involved with the spiritual things. Because we've crucified the old man. When you repent, you're crucifying the old man, the old nature, the old person, the old way of thinking and doing. And when we baptize you, we're burying you. We bury that old, crucified, dead nature that's been repented of. And when we bring you up out of the water, that's when you're born again of water. And from that split second on, you're a candidate to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Okay? And as you show, present yourself willingly, showing that you want this great gift of the Holy Ghost, then God's going to fill you with the gift of the Holy Ghost. When you believe Him, when you believe Him, I believe you, Lord. My faith is in you. I'm, I'm not, I don't have any reservation in my heart. Now, if you want a reservation, there's one up above Clewiston to the east, and if you another one going towards Fort Myers, if you want to go to visit the reservation, go ahead. But don't have a reservation in your heart, okay? Bible called it the fallow ground. That's that part of the ground that does not get disked and cultivated and, and plowed and ready, being prepared to, to have a, a, a sowing of seed to raise a crop. It's fallow ground. It's just useless and sitting there, wasted, not used. Don't let your heart be like that. Don't have a reservation. Don't have a hold back. Don't have a, I'm, I'm keeping certain things in. I don't want to let go of those things. Because that will keep you from receiving your gift, your free gift of the Holy Ghost. But if you're opening your heart, as Jesus said, I'm knocking on the door. If anybody will open the door, I will come in. How does he come in? By filling you with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Okay? I don't think you're going to see Jesus. I know you're not going to see Jesus walk down these aisles in the flesh and climb up into your heart. That's not possible. That's why he arose again and ascended to heaven so he could pour out the gift of his spirit. That's why he said the works that I've done, you're going to do greater because there's going to be so many more replications of me all over the earth. People who are born again of water and the spirit that are going to go forth everywhere. Every country, every nation, every island, with every language. And they're going to bring Acts 2.38 to everybody. They're going to bring the born-again experience to everybody. They're going to be witnesses unto me. Because after you get born again, you receive power to be his witness. Amen. And you're, gonna, you're going to grow in grace and knowledge. You're going to operate in the Spirit. We get an opportunity here. To spend a day, not just 24 hours, 
but a whole life here in the Spirit. A whole life here in the Spirit. And the more that we can give ourselves our will, that's why the Bible talked about being strengthened in that inner man, being strengthened with the might and the power of the Spirit, that Spirit that worketh mightily in us, so that we can have the will renewed. Thou will be done. That we can get about doing what God wants us to do, not what our flesh wants us to do. Now, the devil loves our flesh. The flesh is his territory and domain. That's where he operates, where he works. And uh, that's where he gets us going in wrong directions, thinking wrong things, acting wrong ways, speaking words we don't need to speak, being concerned about things we concerned about you know some people are concerned about making lots of money some people are concerned about fitting in with this life this world some people are looking for promotion and elevation being the big dog in this Because that's flesh. Fleshly desire. Jesus said to one man who said, I want you to tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And Jesus said, man, who made me a judge or a divider over you? He said, a man's life does not consist of the abundance of the things that he possesses. Covetousness is of the flesh. No wonder it's written in your Bible, thou shalt not covet. Right? Thou shalt not covet. The flesh covets. The flesh wants things constantly. Natural things. Carnal things. Feeds the flesh. It's like the guy that had a barn. Good-sized barn. It had lots of stuff in it. Looking things over. This is what I'm going to do. I've been looking at different ones and they're gaining on me. So I'm going to I'm gonna tear down my barn. I'm going to build a bigger barn. That's the only thing he could see and think to do with life and strength and health. That's all he could think to do. But the Lord spoke. That's what you want to watch out for when God starts to speak. The Lord spoke to Thou fool! Ooh, that'll wake you up in the middle of the night. <laughs> that'll wake you up in the middle of the night. Oh, brother. He said, this night, this night, thy soul, thy life is required of thee. Now where's all your plan? Now where's all your flesh? Now it comes down to remembering that the Lord said that a man's life doesn't consist of the abundance of the things that he 
and that what would it profit you if you gained the whole world and lost your soul? What could you possibly give in exchange Oh, well, this will open the door to my vehicle. Will that work, Lord? Will that buy my soul? I don't think so. I don't think so. And you know what? Wheelbarrow full of money won't move it. God doesn't exchange with that type of currency. Okay. God's ways, he said, are above your ways. He said, I don't think like you. But you need to start thinking like I think. Let's get it right. Let's get it right. That means let's get out of the flesh because now we're born again. We're in the body of Christ. Let's start thinking spiritually. Okay? And let's not only think about us, but let's think about the next generation. We have a tremendous commission to get this to the next generation. What we're going to teach them, what we're going to put in their hearts, what we're going to show them. We've got to show them how, how to be in the Spirit, to spend a day in the Spirit. Well, before we can spend the whole dispensation, maybe we ought to learn about that 24 hours. Could I spend 24 hours? After all, that's what the Sabbath was, wasn't it? That's what the training was of the Sabbath was under the law. Truth of the matter is, the Sabbath was before the law and during the law. And there is a Sabbath after the law. His name is Jesus. <laughs> He's our Sabbath. He's our Sabbath. Okay? And we, we want to we spend some time with him. We want to, you know, and it's nice the Lord come by and say, let's take a walk. We'd like to walk with you. Let's have a talk. We'd like to talk with you. Yeah. I, I've even read in the Bible where, where they were at supper and they sung a hymn. Yes, the Lord could sing a little bit. Oh, there's still hope for me. <laughs> oh, brother. Come on, man. Oh, and sing with the Lord. Good thing is the Lord's not worried about how good or bad your voice is, as long as you're making a joyful noise unto the Lord. Yeah. After all, the Lord likes the croaking of the frogs. Don't know what you get out of that, Lord, but ain't my thing. You know? Oh, yeah, and the, and the chirps of the crickets and, you know, all that kind of stuff that goes on. I remember when, you know, my wife and I, we came from New York, and uh, we were bo both born and raised there and, and until we were... Uh, 18, until, well, I came down at 18, and uh, after I met her and we got married, it was 20 and 17 then, by then, and um, we were here in Florida, and uh, I remember that um, we came into church in Miami in 1970. It was all brand new to us. We didn't know anything about the Bible. We didn't know anything about the Holy Ghost. We didn't know anything. And, uh, I mean, we thought we knew everything, but we didn't know anything. And so uh, we, we uh, got baptized in Jesus' name, and we got filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. And um, the Lord called me to preach, and, and um, 
my pastor who trained me, and and uh, as time went on, uh, you know, you learn things about the church and about the Bible and the work of God, and uh, it was a great experience. Uh, it's something wonderful to be a part of and to begin to grow in grace and knowledge of it. And then to, to now be looking back in the rearview mirror, getting close to pushing in towards 50 years, not quite there, but i am got my goal, and uh, pushing towards that. I'm actually at 46, and uh, pushing towards that, you know, I'm looking back on a, on a life of no regrets, on, a, on a, a life of attempting to live in the Spirit, to operate in the Spirit, to be a part of what the Holy Ghost is doing, you know, and not to be chasing after the flesh, not to be going in the direction. My pastor told me one time, he, he said um, he drove up, to a business, building and everything. And he said, everything was set up, ready to go for him to go into business. And he stepped out of the car, and he said the Holy Ghost gave him the biggest whooping of his life he ever had. He said, I got back in the car, and I shut the door, and I put it in reverse, and I got out of there. We don't want to lose direction here. We don't want to lose direction. You know? And it doesn't take a whole lot to lose direction. All it takes is getting out of the spirit and getting into the flesh. And it's, you can get out in the flesh and pop of a finger. You know? The Bible talked about they, they that mind worldly things and fleshly things and carnal things and natural things. We, we want to stay delivered from that. And that's why you've got Romans to Revelation to teach you now that you're saved, that is, you're repented, you're baptized in Jesus' name, you're filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, now that you're saved or delivered from sin and from this body of death. And you got that because of the victory that comes in Jesus Christ, this born-again experience. And he's telling you, don't go back to that. We don't continue in that. We're dead to that. Don't wake that up. Don't wake that up. Don't let that flesh, and it will start waking up. We've got to keep it dead. If you've ever had a, a tooth worked on or some other type of thing where they use anesthesia, you know, and they give you a Novocaine or something, some kind of something, and uh, it deadens it. And you want that because when he's doing his job in there, you don't want to feel it. You don't want to feel it at all. And all of a sudden, he hits that fight. <gasps> you go like that, and he goes, oh, we need a little more, huh? Let me give you a little more. Put a little more on there. And you're like, yeah, yeah, put a little more on there. Put a lot on there. I don't want to feel any pain, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, that's what the Holy Ghost will do for us. The Holy Ghost will deaden this flesh. It will, it will just deaden it to where you do not want to be, it hurts to partake in the wrong things. And when you're operating in the Spirit, and you're that's why, again, to stay saved, to stay delivered, you come to church, you come to prayer, you read your Bible, you get involved in everything the church is doing. You try to minimize 
the fleshly things, and some things are necessary. I understand that. Sir, we all understand that. But can, what we want to do is keep it to a minimum, and that's what the Sabbath was designed to do, that they were to do no servile work on the Sabbath day. The idea was that that was to be the day that they would be with the Lord, that they would spend time about spiritual things under the law. We've come to the New Testament time. We live in the dispensation of grace. We have an opportunity to be born again of water and spirit and have power over this flesh that they did not have in the Old Testament. All of our sins are forgiven because the blood of bulls and goats could not take away sin. But we have the blood of the Lamb. We're washed in that blood when we're baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And all our sins are gone. We're happy and we're excited. We're glad. We're filled then with the gift of the Holy Ghost. And the flesh has died. And we're alive to Christ. We're excited about it. Yes. And we want to not only maintain a level of excitement, but we want to try to either maintain or exceed when we got born again. We don't want to let that go, that fire die down. We want that fire to increase, Holy Ghost and fire. We want that fire to increase in our lives every day. And everybody said amen. amen. If you want to do what the book said, and I trust you do, He said, Likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God. Alive unto the Spirit through Jesus Christ our Lord. He said, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lusts thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield, here's telling you what to do, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you. For ye are not under the law, you're under grace. We have God's favor. We live in the time of God's favor. Now that window is shutting, that door is closing. But if you're in the body of Christ, then you got in. Thank God for that. Thank God for that. Because the Bible did say that they're the foolish that said, nah, I don't want that whole, nah, I don't want to go to, nah, nah, I got too many other things to do. I want to I do things. And so they push off. They procrastinate. You know, you, procrastination is a putting off. Putting off. You can put off and put off and put off until you put off. And it never gets done. You know, it's like the laundry. Or like that, the shed that, you know, you were going to clean out and organize. Or whatever. Whatever those things that all of us have at some point. Paperwork we were going to go through and organize. Whatever. Whatever. 
things we were going to do. They just, I don't know, just, there's an avoidance, you know. It's like you, find, you, go, you walk around your house like this. As long as I don't see it, <laughs> looking the other way. <laughs> there's an avoidance, right? Well, you know, there are people who are avoiding this great salvation. Now, every, every Wednesday morning, we get back from uh, Fort Myers Tuesday nights, and if, if we hustle good, within the speed limit, of course, we get home, I do anyway, maybe around 11, and uh, immediately begin to set my mind towards um, Wednesday morning, we teach Bible study at 2J's restaurant over in the mall. They allow me to come in. I teach Bible study there at 7.30 in the morning. And so I have to uh, gear myself to do that and get that done, be involved with that, and try to get that this message across to people. I have invited many people particularly that work in 2Js. And uh, we send out a mass text to them to remind them about the Bible study on Wednesday mornings at 7.30. So if I go to the restaurant, you will see people going all kinds of different ways but except my table. They don't want to come near me. They avoid my table because they haven't been coming to the Bible study. <laughs> so, and that's, I, I anticipate that, and I know that's going to happen. And, of course, I go out and go, hey, how you doing? You know, I just be as nice as I can be because I know they're very convicted. I know that they know they should be coming to the Bible study. But they're avoiding. Hello. They're avoiding. If I don't look, senior pastor's not over there. You know? They're avoiding. They're avoiding. Conviction. Conviction. Somebody said one time that, that, Conviction is is like the, uh, well, it's like something that appears, it appears to be very distasteful and ugly and you don't want nothing to do with it. He said, until you embrace it. And he said, when you embrace it, then you realize how lovely it is, how, how it's come to help you. And conviction, when you feel convicted, you ever read in your Bible where they brought a woman to, Jesus, they said that she did it wrong. She was caught in the very act. And they said that Moses and the law, as they were, had their rocks in their hands, Moses and the law said she should be stoned. What do you say? Jesus said, nothing. He didn't say a thing. <laughs> Until he decided to say something. And then he said, hey, he who's without sin among you. Let him cast the first stone. And he just went back to saying nothing. And the next time he looked up, he looked around and didn't see anybody. Pile of rocks there, but nobody. And he said, uh, woman, where are those thine accusers? Said, nobody here, Lord, but thee and me. And you know why they all left? The Bible said because they were convicted of their own conscience. Your conscience is that part of your mind that tells you right from wrong. And Paul said, we hooked that up with a Holy Ghost. Okay? And that, that's 
going to keep you between the lines, so to speak. It's going to help you to do the right thing and not the wrong thing. Holy Ghost is there to help you to operate in the Spirit, to help you to mind spiritual things. As a matter of fact, the Bible said in the 8th chapter of Romans, verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Jesus Christ, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. So if you want no condemnation, then you've got to be walking after the Spirit. If you're going to walk after the flesh, you're going to live condemned. You're going to live beat down. You're going to live miserable. You're going to live dug up all the time. Your sleep's not going to be good. Okay? Lots of things aren't going to feel good. The flesh does not feel good to people who know this experience. And that's why the Bible said it'd be better not to have known than to know this, have this experience. And then wind up being judged and wind up in the wrong place. And that's because I think I had somebody come up one time and I beat them with their tie, right? I took your tie and I was whipping you. Because the Bible said that people are going to be beaten with many stripes. And that what that's talking about is that your conscience, your, your senses in the wrong place are going to, and, and it's world without end. You know, world without end. You know, when our kids were little, if they did something wrong, since it felt it'd be extra sweet, you know, she'd be bustling around the table, fixing their breakfast, putting everything, and, and they'd be sitting there like, Mommy, stop. J just beat us. Just go ahead and spank us now. And she'd just be sweet and smile. That just drove them nuts. <laughs> oh, brother, well, let me tell you something. In that final analysis, you knew and you didn't. Your conscience is going to beat you. It's not going to be sweet. It's going to beat you. It's going to whip you with many stripes, knowing that you heard sermon after sermon, that you were in service after service, that you had opportunity after opportunity, that God's, figuratively, God's arms are outstretched wide, and he's, he's basically begging you, beseeching you, pulling you to come be a part now, a lost world out there saying no to that, and they don't know this experience, that's one thing. But to know, to willingly, maliciously, stubbornly be saying no. Has it not written to him that know to do good and doeth it not? To him it is sin. To just absolutely be refusing, and it's written. See that you refuse not him which speaketh from heaven. Oh, let me get in the Spirit. Let me, let me spend a day in the Spirit. Let me spend a day and then string it together with another day and string my spiritual experiences together. That's happiness. That's no condemnation. That's, you're talking about feeling no pain. Because I'm in the Spirit. Because I find that I'm happy in the Holy Ghost. I'm happy talking with Him. I'm happy walking with Him. 
I'm happy singing about him. Oh, yeah. I'm happy reading his word. I'm happy getting the comfort that the Holy Ghost gives. Let's stand together. God love your heart. What do you say? A day in the Spirit, huh? A day in the Spirit. Let your song be, children, let your song be to those, whether it's parent or guardian or somebody we send to pick you up, a bus maybe. Take me out to the church. Take me out to the church. I want to go to the church. I want to, I want to go to Sunday school. I want, to, I want to be a part of what's going on. Everybody said hallelujah. Old John, he said he was in the spirit. Boy, look what all he gave us in the book of Revelation by getting in the spirit. You know, you wouldn't be so miserable and grouchy and grumpy and cranky if you just get in the spirit. You know, you wouldn't be so gruff, you know. No, you wouldn't. You'd just be happy. you have a big smile on your face. You'd, you'd just have a, a bubbling up. Isn't that why the Bible talked about doing the first works? The first love. When you get born again, friend, and you've arrived into the body of Christ, you know, it's like when we went to church one time visiting and we sat down and all of a sudden a young lady came down the center aisle. Church hadn't even started yet. She was shouting and praising God. And uh, some old codger leaned over and he said, she's new. My wife said, I can see that. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, 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 I can see that. First works, first love, bubbling up, effervescent. No pump, no prime, no beg, no plead. You know, um, Olivia had the vacuum cleaning the other day, and she was vacuuming in the lobby, and I told Omar, I said, man, get that on video. I said, and... Let's hope she's that enthusiastic about that when she's 16. <laughs> right, girls? <laughs> yeah, Lord. Well, I can't just say girls. We got guys that are being trained too. Nothing wrong with that. Bless their hearts. Yes, sir. As a matter of fact, sometimes I think it's been reported the guys do a better job than the girls, so you better shape up. About the boy's about to run you down. <laughs> Hallelujah. Come on. Get excited about this, Jesus Christ. Get excited about the Holy Ghost. Get excited about being in the Spirit, loving God, praising God, going to church, being involved. The foolish didn't have this. And they didn't get to go. You want to go. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Well, we better sing a song. Because it's getting close to that time, and I feel like preaching right now. Everybody said hallelujah. Come on. Let's lift our hearts with our hands, shall we? Thank you, dear God. Thank you, Holy King. Thank you, Holy Lord, for the truth, for the love of God, for the gift of the Holy Ghost, for the shine on our face, the leap in our heart, the encouragement that you've given to us.
salvation of God.